My name is Hugh Agram, the president and CEO of Revival Gold. We're advancing the Bear Track Arnett Gold Project located in the western U.S. state of Idaho. We've got 4 million ounces of resource, and we're advancing towards a PFS on the first phase heap leach aspect of this project due out mid-2023. Hugh, good to see you again. Happy New Year, sir. Um, look, always a good time of year to kind of um, have a little look back at uh, what happened last year, what, which bits you got right, and more importantly, looking forward to, you know, how you are going to approach this year. So um, let's look back. So what, what are the things that you think you got right in 2022? Oh, thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you. And I do feel uh, that 2023 is starting out on the right foot here. Um, look, we've got a team that has just done a super job over the last five years uh, advancing Bear Track Arnett, a finding cost of less than $5 an ounce, 4 million ounces of resource. And in 2022, we made some real positive headway with the project. First of all, we announced that 4 million ounce resource, 33% higher than the prior resource estimate uh, in 2020. So good progress there with growth in resource. Secondly, we accomplished quite a bit of drilling, and in particular in the Jaws area, which I know is of interest to your viewers, where we've got high-grade intercepts. Last year, we intersected the uh, high-grade zone a further 150, almost 200 meters deeper uh, than previous drilling had, and we're extending the bounds of it laterally along strikes. So intercepts 10, 12, 15 meters of uh, 6, 8, 10, 12 uh, grams per ton gold. So significant high-grade intercepts in the Joss zone. Um, and then, of course, more recently, uh, we've been releasing results from our 2022 program in the Haiti area, where we've got uh, super near-surface oxide mineralization, and that's going into our PFS, which, as I mentioned, is coming out uh, mid-2023. So some, some really positive progress with the project from a technical point of view. Corporately, we've made uh, a very good uh, progress with our team, uh, board addition in, the, in Tim Warman, who's been a super contributor to what we're doing in the U.S. with Heap Leach and with the exploration experience Tim brings to the table. And, and, and finally, in a tough capital market, we've raised $13 million in uh, 2022, uh, and it's in equity and without diluting our capital base so that our owners will have the uh, benefit of enjoying this uh, upside we're seeing coming to us in 2023. Right, okay. So th there's, a, there's a lot of things you mentioned there and, 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 and you know, great. But um, if as, as a retail investor, kind of looking in at this thing, and there's so many gold stories out there. It's last year was a tough year, and, and hopefully the, the the winds have shaken out a few few of those stories, and we can kind of focus on the on the on the good stuff. I'm trying to trying to work out what's so good about you guys. I look immediately to some sort of standout uh, numbers uh, and 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 topics. First being four million ounces. That's great. You're moving into PFS uh, phase at the moment. You, what are you, sort of 60, 70% done on that, are you? We're 70% through the PFS right. as of the end of the year. So we're on track. And, uh, you know, just, just sort of coming back to your point, what makes us different is our team. And I, you know, I, I just want to highlight some of the, the credentials of the folks who are behind the uh, success we've had over the last uh, a few years. Uh, our chairman, Wayne Hubert, uh, it's been part of building successful exploration and development companies in the past. Cerro Negro, which was a project that uh, Andean Resources took forward from a $100 million market cap to $3 billion sale to Gold Corp, was run by Wayne Hubert, our non-exec chair. 
our VP uh, Engineering and Development, uh, John uh, Mayer, has got a ton of experience with Barrick, having built big projects in jurisdictions uh, like we're in t- today uh, with the likes of uh, our neighbor, Perpetua. Uh, and so John's got big project uh, and local jurisdiction knowledge, which is uh, really key to executing well on PFS studies and the, uh, the, the path to production. We've got a general manager who ran the past operation at BearTrack Arnett, resides in Salmon, Idaho, where our project is located, and is in real close uh, touch with the community and with the agencies uh, there. Uh, we've been super efficient with the work we've done, and it's largely to do with uh, uh, our general manager, Pete Blakely's uh, efforts. And I can't stop there. I've got to uh, highlight the credentials of our VP exploration, Steve Priestmeyer, who's worked up and down the Cordilleran um, and is a super manager of exploration, uh, very uh, well-known geologist in the Western uh, U.S., did his master's degree in Idaho, has come back to Idaho as part of his, uh, at this stage of his career, having worked all over the world in the past. So we've got some super people on the on the project working diligently towards advancing Bear Track Arnett through exploration and then through into that production phase, uh, which will be, uh, you know, which will be something that I think is unique among all of our peers. Uh, we're working efficiently towards that process and uh, an outcome. Uh, you know, I come from a big company background, having worked with Placer Dome and, and Kinross Gold uh, in the past, a mining engineer by training. And, you know, as we think about the strategic alternatives for Revival Gold, we've got that experience in mind. And so we're continuing to build out the larger phase of this project and the potential uh, for um, the, the mill scenario, uh, which is absolutely across the plate for any number of the uh, major and intermediate gold companies. You, you're, getting, uh, so you're getting to where I want to be. You're getting to where I want to be, okay? Because you're getting... You've got four million answers, right? You're only, you're only kind of just you know entering the final stages of the PFS uh, component. So I'd, I'd love to understand. Sorry, how much more drilling? How much more data do you need to put in there? Or is four million answers get you to where you need to be? So that's point one. And the second bit is with with the kind of um, land bank that you've got and the targets and the assets that you've got, how. Given the backdrop of the market you saw last year, it was, it was brittle. We're not now. This year started off quite well. We're not quite sure where it's going to go, though. Will we? Will we have a relapse, or will we go? You know, sh- shooting off. Gold price is doing its job. Equities need to do it their job. So, how do you treat these assets and targets? You've got the Haiti deposit with this open, you know, you know, oxide open pit material there. Is that a kind of quick win in terms of? You know, being able to get to money sooner. Do you actually focus on on bear track or net, and you know, build that thing and and kind of get the confidence of the market, um, or you hope you can get the confidence of the market to allow you to raise money at higher and higher rates? So, uh, given the backdrop of last year, how do you manage the money side of things going forward? Yeah. So let's 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 step back for a moment. Uh, the, the the gold market is is volatile. It moves up and down. And sometimes there's very short term thinking in the market, but we have to take a longer term view. And in order to be successful in a volatile market and with a volatile commodity, uh, you also have to have um, a, a contingency around what you're doing. Now, our contingency is that we're on a brownfield site. Uh, we've got an existing ADR facility that we can redeploy to produce gold and generate free cash flow. 
Now, that's a modest scale of project, uh, but we can continue to advance that project, that first phase heap leach project, which is, you know, which is, which is what the subject of our PFS is all about. Uh, so we can continue to advance that towards uh, production. Well, at the same time, we build out the larger exploration story in the mill potential uh, of this project. And as you say, we've got a large resource, but we've got lots of targets. We've got lots of places to continue to expand on that. And what we want to do is, is, carefully, uh, is carefully move that uh, exploration story and that larger picture forward without compromising our, our near-term potential to produce free cash flow and without diluting our shareholders uh, you know, to a point where they don't enjoy the returns and the benefits of all of that uh, upside to come. So, so, so the way we tackle this is by recognizing we're in a volatile market. They, you know, things go up and down. Uh, sentiment, investor sentiment moves in and out, and and have our have our our project uh, moving forward in these stepwise uh, in this stepwise function that allows us to deliver free cash flow in the relatively near term and continue to build upside for uh, the longer term. And uh, and I think that's our secret sauce. Apart from our team, that's our secret sauce. Team's super, super important and your, your, your team's got the credibility, um, but you need help to deliver that. So you get, obviously your, your share price did quite well in the last four months of last year, kind of, you know, bucked the trend somewhat. And our general trend was was up where most, most were down. So people like what they're hearing. But I wanna, I wanna come back to the strategy thing and, and Get a better better sense of how how you lay this out because you talk about the you know the phase one sixty five seventy thousand ounces you know a year for the first seven to, to nine years is that kind of like high grading or is that trying to you know, ramp things up with the hope that the expiration and Haiti will kind of you know pick up the slack and you'll be able to kind of build that up and and, and grow those ounces um, are you kind of playing how cute are you being on the, in that kind of first phase? Because most people go life of mine, 10 years minimum, or I'm not really interested in financing this thing. So how, how, what, what are the kind of levers that you've got available to you? The, the project has to stand alone uh, is, is what I would say first full stop. So the, the first phase project has to stand on its own. You, there's, there's, there's no scenario where we finance, you know, a hundred million uh, plus or minus of capital without having a, 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 a the returns that justify that outlay. So it has to stand on its own and everything beyond that is a bonus. And, um, and so we're not trying to, uh, you know, bootstrap the business with something that doesn't incrementally stand alone. Um, and, and in fact, uh, there's a, there's a strong temptation to do a lot of more exploration. I can tell you, our team would love to go out and, and pursue some of the broader exploration targets with more drilling, but we need to balance that against the market's appetite for more exploration. And um, and I and I think we you know the the, the, the challenge that you get to is a, is a scenario where uh, you're just drilling and you're not advancing the cause towards uh, free cash flow. You're not c- completing all of those steps, those de-risking steps that allow uh, larger investors to get involved. And I and I think we have to keep that in mind. Um, so first phase project stands on its own. Everything else beyond that will be a bonus. And, um, and, and we keep ourselves uh, focused on delivering 
what we can manage in the current constraints of the environment. And a $100 million project on a brownfield site is absolutely uh, across the park, uh, across the plate for us. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's like, well, I kind of have to remind myself as I look at some of the pictures of the infrastructure that you've actually got in place. And it's not just the case, the location, but the, the, what you've inherited there um, it is very helpful in terms of the capital expenditure component, but also the uh, ongoing operating costs. But let me come back to the PFS bit, okay? You, you, you said you're like 70, 70% along the, along the way. Um, again, we saw companies put out economic studies last year and get absolutely penalized because the inflationary um, you know, effects were sort of driving CapEx numbers up across the, the board. That's, you know, on, on top of the issue of like getting getting permits on time, which we'll, we'll sort of come to, um, you know, get, getting the staff, quite frankly, to, you know, come and be able to work there, et cetera. Inflation was a company killer last year. It made good projects marginal and marginal projects terminal. So are you, so again, conscious of, the speed at which you need to deliver the next PFS into market, or is that because of that kind of infrastructure head start you've got, um, give you sort of quite confidence that, that the numbers will be as good as the PEA? Yeah, so we, we are definitely in an inflationary environment, and we're seeing that at Revival Gold in our drilling costs, which uh, in the last year were up about uh, 25%. Uh, so you were absolutely seeing inflation. Uh, however, what I would what I would say is that in a brownfield situation like the one we're in, where we understand the the geotechnical setting, the earth moving requirements, where we've got limited construction of concrete and steel, you know the big components uh, that, that that come under pressure in inflationary times, uh, where we don't have to have uh, uh, unfettered uh, uh, permitting. Uh, discussions around alternative sites. We've already got the site. We know how it works. Uh, these are all things that will allow us to do better than our peers in terms of cost control as we move through into this PFS phase. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to see escalation of labor rates, uh, 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 possibly of fuel, although fuel prices have come off over the last uh, uh, six or so months. Um, and, and those things will impact the project. But what I am saying is the setting that we're in is, is got a lot of advantages that will allow us to manage those uh, inflationary impacts and uh, potentially deliver more value from more ounces uh, in the plan to offset um, what costs we increases we do see. Now, the study's still uh, five months out, um, so I don't have detailed numbers yet, but uh, certainly our expectation is we'll be able to do as well or better than our PEA and we'll be at a much less risky point of the development phase because we'll have completed additional column leach testing, we'll have completed geotechnical study work, we'll have done more detailed design work in terms of our, our costs and plans, and we'll have the benefit of all that additional drilling to understand the resource a lot more clearly and have less ambiguity and less uncertainty around what we're actually going to get out of the ground. Right. Okay. Okay. And, and I think you've also talked um, in your literature around, you know, additional power line studies and baseline environmental data collections, uh, et cetera. So is that fully funded? You've raised three million bucks just at the end of end of the year last year. Does that get you through to a delivered PFS? And if so, what next? Yeah. So we, we, we topped up 
Uh, we did not do a big raise at the end of last year. We did not feel like it was the right time to go uh, pushing a lot of equity out. Uh, but we raised sufficient capital to complete our PFS, do the updated resource, which will drive, uh, that will go into that PFS. So we'll see that. Uh, get these drill results out from, uh, from the Haiti area, which we started to do uh, uh, at, the, uh, at the beginning of last week. Uh, and also to complete uh, further baseline environmental data collection so that we're prepared to go for, um, for our, our repermitting of the site once we're completed the PFS. Uh, the footprint of the, of the plan uh, for a restart of the operation will only be known once we complete that PFS. So we can't start the actual repermitting, but we've been doing already now uh, a couple of years of baseline data collection and planning and preparation uh, together with the 30 years or so of history we have on the site, uh, that data and that experience uh, will allow us to move promptly to, uh, to repermitting. But um, lots of, of uh, milestones over the next uh, six months and, and funded. You know, we're going to have to watch our pennies. We're going to have to be very careful with how we spend our money, but that's second nature to us at Revival Gold. We're all owners. Uh, we have a lot at stake here, and we want to do the best by our shareholders. And, and, in, do so, and in so doing, uh, do right by the community and do right uh, by, uh, by ourselves. Right. Okay. It's a $60 million market cap company. If I look at your enterprise value per ounce, you're, you're one of the, I guess, more undervalued company. We'll put, I'll set it for you. You're meant to set it as a CEO. It's, it's a big, which I think is in your contract. Um, we're undervalued. But you, you, you are undervalued compared to, compared to your peers, but certainly, certainly those that are around, you know, 4 million ounce. Is. What what are the moments that are going to happen? It's, it's been kind of it's been you, you've said what you're going to do, you've done what you said you were going to do. You know, you get full marks for that. You've laid out what you got to do this year. The PFS, I guess, is the next kind of catalyst moment. But what else is going to move the needle here? Because if I look at 60 million market cap, you know, share price holding study, which is which is which is great. If not moving slightly upwards, is it? It can't be a higher gold price because the gold price is doing just fine. Thank you very much. Um, the equities have not generally across the market. You have done better than most, but it still seems what's unusual to see a company of you being valued like you are. What's it going to take? What should people be looking for? You guys have a team of built mines before. You're not, you're not here mining the market. You, you know how to build mines. What, what should we be looking at? Yeah, I, I think what um, what ultimately the, the audience that we're ultimately uh, uh, working to appeal to are the bigger strategic investors, corporates, institutions that uh, that are deep that are the deep pocketed investors in the space. And and frankly, those folks, um, you know, we're 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 well engaged with. Uh, they don't just look at you know dollars per ounce on the ground. Uh, they don't just uh, look at, um, you know, which, uh, you know, CEO happens to be chatting up his game the, the, the best. What they're looking at is de-risks projects, uh, projects that have a real, uh, a real chance of making a big impact on their, uh, on their businesses. And, and, and we, we have a lot of dialogue with those folks. And I think um, we're, we're right on track in terms of delivering the sort of uh, value in, in the company, in the business, that those sorts of investors, those entities 
appreciate. And I, and I think that will come home to roost. And it's a classic case of a, of a 12 year overnight success. We do the heavy lifting um, and we will be rewarded. And our shareholders uh, you know, are, are, are patient, maybe a little more patient than most. We've got about 40% institutional ownership. Management owns 10%. So we don't have a, 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 a broad retail crowd that we have to deliver uh, you know, it's something to every every day or every minute. What what our owners are interested in is the longer term game plan and the bigger success that we can deliver by de-risking the asset, surfacing value, and uh, in that respect, we've done that every year uh, for each year over the last five years, and that's part of the reason why we've outperformed our peers. We've got less shares outstanding. We've got a better balance sheet. And we've got more success technically in terms of progress with both exploration and with uh, de-risking towards PFS. I, you know, uh, we are the second largest discovery of gold in the U.S. in the last decade. Our finding costs are running at less than $5 an ounce. We've got only 92 million shares outstanding, no debt, no streaming obligations, uh, no, no, no credit convertible facilities out there uh, hanging around. Um, and we've got open targets for exploration, which have been clearly identified and, uh, and, and advanced, um, systematically through, through the diligent work of our, our VP exploration, Steve Priestmeyer and the team. So, you know, I can stand, uh, loud and proud and, uh, and feel very confident that we're surfacing the value that ultimately will reward our, our investors. Whether that comes in two months time, uh, or, you know, a year or two's time, I can't specifically say. We've got a lot of corporate discussions going on. We've got a lot of discussions with, uh, large deep pocket institutions going on. But what I can say is that we are looking after the things we can control. We're managing our share count and we're delivering steady progress uh, towards that ultimate uh, objective of surfacing uh, value for investors. Analyst target prices on our stock right now are range from uh, 245 a share to about 90 cents a share. So even at the very minimum, there's 50% upside in our stock on those analyst targets and, uh, you know, two or three times uh, upside. We've just got to continue to de-risk, manage our share count, and uh, shareholders will be rewarded.